1: charles manson
0: and many more we add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our instagram at cult collectibles so visit
1: us on the web at cult today
0: hello i'm guy the director of difficulty breathing the sound of summer and the road maiden and you're listening to sick on cinema
1: So just to get um, th- this interview started, wh- what got you into horror?
0: Oh, I get asked that all the time. I should have a better answer for it. Um, I don't really know, but actually recently we were talking about this on on my, my podcast. And I had this memory of when I was uh, maybe like nine or 10, I went to Florida and went to universal studios in in florida yeah and um they had this like really really crazy show where it was about like special effects in movies and this was like a thing for kids but they were showing clips from the exorcist oh wow, and like all kinds of crazy shit and i remember as a kid being like blown away and they had like a i think it was like they had like a severed head like zombie head like on the stage as well talking and i remember being like man that's that's fucking amazing (laughs) like i would i want to make stuff like that so yeah i think that was one of the things that that got me into it and before that even when i was like you know maybe five or six i i had a much older brother so my brother's 14 years older than me and i used to go to his house a lot as a kid and he just let me watch whatever so i I saw a lot of (laughs) really things I shouldn't have been seeing when I was very young as well. So I think a, probably a combination of, of those two things got me into horror.
1: Besides like uh the univers uh universal stuff, like I had a very mm. similar experience where it was like my parents are very lenient on what I watched. So I was just putting in mm. like whatever and just watching it. So yeah so it was like <laughs> as long as it wasn't like you know or something like that it was like yeah it's like just make sure you can handle it kind of thing you know
0: yeah i remember my parents were really strict until i was i think i was maybe 15 or something and i remember going to the video store with my dad and i can't remember what it was maybe it was like silent night deadly night or something which in australia that's banned and in one of the states uh, so oh, it's banned in queensland yeah. so the video cover just had banned in queensland like on on the cover oh, that's <laughs> and sick. uh so it's like a real it looks like a really bad film like based on that video cover and i remember like putting it in like the the basket with all the other videos that we were renting and my dad just looks at it, he's like all right whatever <laughs> and then from that point they just let me rent anything so yeah they're really strict and then then anything anything was okay after yeah once i became 15 or something <laughs>
1: right, right yeah that's yeah that's wild like um of course when we got like cannibal holocaust released here it was like oh banned in so many countries and stuff
2: like mm. that
1: and like banned in queensland is something i've become familiar with recently <laughs> and i can- yeah. I, f- I fucked it up on an episode of the podcast not too long ago because I was like, oh, it's banned in this place instead of another place. Yeah, I'm, a- I'm an idiot. <laughs> so, <laughs> speaking of, like, um, banned films and stuff like that, uh, how did you become familiar with more of the extreme stuff in cinema?
2: Mm.
0: Uh, how did I become familiar? I- I'm not... I don't know how I actually found out about it but i do remember like yeah as a teenager um yeah when i was about yeah 15 16 i just started you know renting every possible horror film that i could see and i think when you're that age you like try to see the most fucked up things you can possibly see oh yeah and yeah and like in a you know i lived in a pretty you know small uh suburb in melbourne and the horror section at the video store was pretty limited so i remember just going through everything there and being like well i need to need to see some more stuff and i went to this store in melbourne city called minotaur which anyone from melbourne will know this store it's like a very famous kind of like pop culture store but they used to get in um like imported dvds and and stuff like this so this is this is a long time ago so this is kind of early days of of dvd (laughs) and I used to like just like look at the videos and be like uh, at the DVDs and be like man this this looks fucking great um and I would just save up for months to buy like one film so I'd save up for like you know a few months to buy like I don't know like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer or a Lucio Fulci film so I think those buying those kind of films there they were kind of a gateway to being like all right well what's after this like what can i see after that point and i honestly don't really know how i found out about things other than just seeing them on a shelf and and you know watching them basically like that there, there was no yeah i can't think of a specific thing that like led me towards the, these films other than a, a desire to just be able to see as much stuff as i possibly could
1: John had a uh, similar experience to that as well. Essentially, like he would go to like local stores and stuff, stuff like that, look for him, just you know find whatever and like. And then when the internet age kicked off, he was like buying stuff mm. online, and they came across across. Of course, you know, brought it up earlier, but can't can of a Holocaust, and he saved up like a ton of money from <laughs> you know like <laughs> just like working odd jobs to to buy it and stuff. So it's it's really cool. Um, mm-hmm uh so when it comes to like horror movies in general um i feel like we all have the desire to be you know filmmakers at some point but you of course did that with you know your your short films and of course classic blues um what movie in particular would you say got you into being a filmmaker it's uh yourself
0: Mm. that's a good question um I'm, I'm not sure if there's a particular film. I, I've been making videos and stuff since I was, like, a kid. So in, in um high school, I think when I was, like, 14, I made, like, a stupid horror film. It's, like, 40 minutes long as well, which is, like, crazy to think of making something that long at that age. Um, but I do know that the films that, like, made me quite passionate about wanting to make films were trauma films actually. So I really, I really love Lloyd Kaufman Uh, and he, he came to Australia uh, like for a a film festival once. And I remember seeing him talk and it was like really exciting to, to hear, hear him speaking. And uh, I loved his, his book. I've totally forgotten what it's called. It's like all, all I needed to know about filmmaking. I learned from the toxic Avenger. I think it's called something like that. I remember reading that as a teenager and that really inspiring me as well and especially when i was in high school the film terra firma oh, uh, yeah. really made it made me want to make films and i love the kind of you know sort of passionate independent spirit that 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 film has so i guess if it, if it was any film in particular it would it would probably be be that one yeah
1: um It's very interesting, too, because, um, you know, Cat Sick Blues itself is very much a dark horror comedy. Like, it's... Mm. Like, I'd say when it comes to, like, horror comedies, it's as pitch black as it gets, you know? Because, like, Mm. it has, you know, it tackles, like, some, you know, certain subject matter. I'd say in a very, you know, good way, of course. But it's also, like has this, like, little, like, jab in the side of being, you know, funny. So (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. very interesting to see, like, how Terror firmer like, you know, inspired you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, hopefully Catsick Blues doesn't feel too trauma-esque. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, I did. I think, like, I've always want to have some kind of sense of humor in my films. And, yeah, uh, Catsick Blues, like, the tone of that film was probably... Most inspired by, uh, do you know the Mike film uh, Gozu by Takeshi I, Mike? I do, but I had
1: not seen it yet.
0: Yeah, so that that's a film that I, when I first saw that, I was really blown away because it, it's uh, it's really funny, but it's also incredibly. It's like shot and presented it as if it's like deathly serious, mm-hmm. and it's the only film I've ever seen that is funny and scary at the same exact same time like it doesn't switch between the two it's just like always at this weird lives in this kind of weird space in between um and I, I really wanted to go for that where in i wanted to have scenes in cat sick blues that are like make you feel very uncomfortable but you're also kind of laughing so that's sort of what i wanted to go for that you kind of feel bad about laughing afterwards or you're laughing, but you're also kind of feeling a bit sick at the same time because yeah. you've just seen something disgusting. <laughs> so that
1: that was kind of the the tone we were aiming for. <laughs> I, th- I think you absolutely hit the hit the nail on the head when it comes to that. Oh, that's good
0: today. Yeah, because
1: <laughs> I like not too long ago, like probably about like thirty minutes ago, I've I've I rewatched it for uh, the interview, and mm. it's, yeah, it, it absolutely captures that exact feeling that you're describing.
0: Oh nice nice that's good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um also in you know in preparation I watched the the short film that would uh become Cat Sick Blues. Mm. And I I would say it is you know it still has a little bit of the dark you know the the darkly comedic stuff in it but it definitely I'd say it's a it's a bit more on the like darker side. It's more of just like in your face horror. Mm. Um, what was kind of I guess would you say that that movie is the the short is kind of like a um would you say it's like almost like a like a pitch for what Catsick Blues would have become?
0: Yeah, the short film is yeah the the story behind making that is a is a little convoluted, but basically, um yeah, Catsick Blues we we wrote the script so Andrew Gallagher and I wrote the script and initially that was the first maybe nine or 10 pages of the script was that original short film. So our plan was to, you know, make the opening sort of scenes as a short film, try to get people interested in it and then make the rest of the film. But what ended up happening is I I can't remember the year we made that film, maybe 2014 I think it might've been or 2013 we we made the short film and the kind of tone of the script changed a lot after that. So we, we went back and we looked at that short film again. We're like, it's so different from the, you know, the, the script as it is now that it's, it's not really going to work. And also the way I I started shooting stuff changed a lot as well. So we ended up kind of just saying like, all right, we're just going to keep that as a separate thing. That's just going to be just a thing by itself. And we wrote a new opening scene uh, to replace it. So the bit before the the title sequence was like the new opening. So yeah, the short film was initially meant to be part of that main feature, but then it just took way too long in between the short and and the feature. And yeah, like the tone changed the equipment we were using changed that, Um, we kind of ended up throwing it out. And I'm really glad because I I actually... I really fucking hate the short film. (laughs) Really? I can't stand it. Yeah, I... It's just so... When I look at it, I'm just like, what? There's so many things that I just... I I don't know what I was thinking when I did it. So, yeah, I'm really glad that it's not in there. We also had a lot of problems making that film. Um, It was... I'm really glad we made it because we we had a lot of problems with the special effects but the assistant who this, this basically sorry this is very complicated but we <laughs> we had someone doing the effects for that film and they were kind of new to effects and i think kind of couldn't really deliver what we wanted so the deaths and that are, are totally different and they were kind of improvised on the day because the effects didn't work out but when we put the ad out for that film to kind of get a crew, get people to help with the makeup, uh, this person called uh, Liz, who ended up working on the, the main film, uh, Liz Jenkinson, she she saw the ad and she's like, oh, do you mind if I just come along as an assistant on the day? And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? And then she ended up completely saving the shoot and she like came up with like the effects on the spot. Um, and yeah, so from that shot, we met her which is amazing because she's she was such a big part of the the feature film so it was definitely a necessary step that we had to take that short film but yeah i I don't have many fond memories of of that short film (laughs)
1: yeah i i can understand that like when it it comes to like working on certain things and it feels like everything's kind of falling apart you're just like oh fuck
0: (laughs) Mm, yeah yeah it was it was not not fun i mean make nothing is fun to make like everything's very stressful but that that was a particularly yet irritating one because we we couldn't really get what i what i wanted from it yeah Yeah. um
1: and uh, you know going to the feature itself um it starts off the movie starts off with such a like it's almost like a punch to the stomach with like how like fast it starts like it immediately is like in your face, and it sets the tone for the entire movie. W- what would you say, like, inspired, like, the movie's like, t- uh, not necessarily tone, but almost like the, um, I-, I guess it would be like the, the tone of the movie. Um, mm.
0: um, yeah, I guess, yeah, tonally, that film I mentioned before, Gozu, is um, was a was a big influence, but I guess right. in terms of like the pace and like how it moves and the sort of scenes that are in it i do think a lot of what i put in the film i was kind of like ah, this is if when i was like 15 this is what i would have wanted to see so like i put a lot of things like that in it so uh yeah like for example the big kind of uh hostile scene with everyone getting killed like that for me was just like this is like my gift to the 14 or 15 year old version of me that was making films in, in high school and had no access to special effects or anything. So this is what I would have wanted to do back then. And so a lot of that like kind of inspired, you know, certain scenes in the film as well.
1: And that scene is also like fucking incredible. Like the the music just like, like the music in the movie is absolutely phenomenal. Like, it's- mm. Especially like the I guess it would be the main theme that's like it's on like the disc menu and um it's one of the, like the first song like it's the song of that sing of course <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and I remember uh after watching the first watching it for the first time I was like I have to find what that song is <laughs> and it, right. like, yeah yeah and immediately like I went on like a hunt to find it because like uh do do you know what Shazam is yes yeah yeah okay like i would try to scan it over and over again to get it to work and i was like why is it not working
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that um that song being in there was was kind of an accident as well which is was pretty funny so that's that's a song that's not by the composer of the film uh it's by a guy called mr Bishi, who's at a certain point in time, was pretty well known. He did the did some music for um that Michael Caine movie. I think it's called Harry Brown or something like that. But oh, wow. yeah, he I think he was like quite well known. Uh, maybe like fifteen years ago or something like that. But yeah, when I cut that scene together, I wasn't cutting it together with music. I was just like, I don't know what's gonna go in this scene. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really sure at that point, point. and around this time so this is in the editing process i asked a friend of mine to edit a trailer for the film because i just didn't want to do it myself because i was in the middle of cutting the actual film oh and i gave him yeah so I i gave him the footage of the film and he he cut together this trailer and he had that song in there as like a temporary track for the trailer and when i watched it i'm like what the fuck is this song it's amazing it's like so perfect for like the tone of the film and he's like ah, oh, like i don't know like it's a pretty well known guy i don't think we'll be able to get permission but let's try it anyway so yeah we ended up getting in touch with mr Bishi, and yeah paid a very you know small sort of amount it was more like just a, a token um to use that song and yeah that i think now people tend to associate that <laughs> The film with that song and maybe even the song with the film so yeah it, it ended up being quite a big big part of it and putting it in that particular scene was just they're you know, like oh this is the perfect match to to that scene
1: oh yeah absolutely um mm. it's like i remember going to the comments of the video because when i when i eventually found the song people were like oh cat sick blue sent me here and stuff like that yeah like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah that's awesome <laughs> uh, some, some, <laughs> yeah. some something else um want to bring up is in the movie after the uh the the rape scene happens and the 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 uh the footage gets leaked online and stuff like that there's a scene with um <laughs> he's no he's known back then as obulus Tubok.
2: Mm, mm, yeah, yeah.
1: Unboxed, watched him reviewed I didn't become very familiar with his like YouTube channel until like pretty recently within the last like two years or so. And, like, especially re-watching it now and seeing him in it is so fucking cool. Yeah. So, like, yeah. h- how did you get him involved? Um,
0: I, I was just a... I was a really big fan of Unboxed, Watched, and Reviewed. I just loved it. Like, it was, yeah, probably my favorite YouTube channel. And he actually reviewed, like, without... I don't... I didn't... Someone else had sent it to him, but a film that I I'd, I'd made before cat sick blues, he reviewed that on his channel and I I just like literally just opened the channel one day and his new video was my film. I'm like, what? And it kind of blew my mind. Um, yeah, so I sort of already had like, Oh, well, I can use that as an entry point to ask him about, uh, yeah, being in cat sick blues, but I, it was so, so much fun. Cause I, I sent him the, basically the scene, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I really want you to do this reaction to this video. Uh, This is what's supposed to be happening in the video. Could you do some kind of reaction? He's like, yep, sure. And then maybe like a week later, (laughs) I got this video from him. But what you see in the film is only like, I don't know, like 10 seconds, something like that. It's not very long. But the thing that he sent me is like a five-minute video. (laughs) And it's absolutely hilarious like it's so good and he he really put so much effort into it and i'm like yeah i I was just like crying with laughter watching it because it's so outrage outrageous he just kind of goes for it i mean even what you see in the film is like incredibly uh, like offensive what what he's saying right but but you can imagine like five minutes of of that kind of tone so it was it was really (laughs) great and then um yeah, I, I sent him. Yeah, the the finished film, and he ended up reviewing Catsick Blues on his channel as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He he's just he's really great. He's so funny and just I don't know. He I, I really love him, love his work. He's he's great. So I was really happy to have him in it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, like watching his channel and stuff like that. Like his his videos are so funny. Like I. Like I, I adore every video
0: he makes. Um, mm, I loved it. I used to love it when he would like nearly vomit watching things. It's like, <laughs> like, yeah. one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah.
1: I remember him watching. Like recently, he did a video on uh, Squirmfest Two, and what is that? Sorry, um, Squirm Squirmfest Two. Squirmfest. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, it, it's a um, it's a JV. It's like got mugs mm. and you know, oh right Ugh. yeah yeah. <laughs> and he was watching it, and that video nearly, nearly killed me. I was like wheezing, <laughs> laughing at it. So, yeah, I, 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 adore his channel so much. Yeah, something else I want to bring up about classic uh, blues is the effects. Like you, you were talking about um the uh the effects artist that helped with the short being involved with the feature, the. The effects are fucking incredible in the, the 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 feature length. Like like when when um oh what's I almost I forgot the damn main character's name. <laughs> Shit. Uh, uh Ted. Head. Yes. When he like would like cut someone's head off and stuff like that. Like the face looks exactly like the 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 person. Like sometimes you don't get that, and in especially independent movies. Mm. So yeah, yeah. Like, how long would it, did it take to get the effects done for Catsick Blues? Uh, I mean, it was like,
0: you know, the whole time we were making the film. Like Liz, yeah, who did the effects? She had a, a studio and she was just like constantly making stuff, basically. Oh wow! But yeah, she's um, she's a genius because she was, she was very new to doing these kind of effects so she was kind of learning as we went through and she had never made a head before those were like the first heads that she'd made and it's it's really fucking hard to to make those things Mm -hmm. and um yeah i still remember like seeing the first one that she made and was just like wow this is like it's identical to as you said like and I, i think it's not so much like the it's hard to explain it's it's not so much the head itself but like the makeup the painting that she did onto the head after yeah uh, she's just an amazing makeup artist so she really could create recreate that face very realistically through matching the makeup so yeah she's she's really amazing and yeah for her it was a definite learning experience as well so I there were scenes that didn't work when we were filming so uh for example when Sylvia the prostitute character when she gets killed and she gets her her neck cut open that was initially meant to be like quite a big massive sort of explosion of, of blood but uh the fire extinguisher um that we we had just wasn't working yeah so Liz ended up having to like sort of blow the blood through <laughs> and I, I kind of I, even though it didn't work out as we had planned, like when I watched that scene, I kinda like it because I think it's more like disgusting that it, it's a bit more less cartoonish and a bit more realistic. But um but I remember like that hostile hostile scene was the last day of filming. Oh, wow. Um so that whole day was just which is honestly crazy for me to think of it now, but it was basically from eight AM till like I don't know, like one in the morning the next day uh, of like filming those death scenes, which is, I mean, four death scenes in a day. Like I, I would just never do that now. It's like unthinkable. <laughs> um, but I, I remember when we did the the neck shot with like the neck getting cut open and that exploding out. And i was really nervous because like it just hadn't worked out with this fire ex- extinguisher stuff she had to she had to get a really old-fashioned one because the newer ones you couldn't build up that same level of pressure mm. so she bought like this really old old fire extinguisher to do it and was like we shot that at my parents house we we're like testing it out in the front yard yard and it seemed to be working then we we did the first take of the neck thing and it was just like like a little like small Spurt. and I'm like, it ah, didn't work. Yeah, I guess, guess we're not gonna get it. And then she's like, let me try again. We'll do, do it one more time. And that's all shot in slow motion as well. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, yeah, the second time she did it, it was just like this insane explosion of blood, and all of us were just like, oh, oh my god. And <laughs> and uh, then afterwards, we we're like rewatching the footage, and you can see in the behind the scenes, I'm like nearly like screaming with excitement. So that was, that was a really nice like final day. Cause like all the work that, you know, all the sort of learning she'd be doing and kind of building up towards, um, you know, led to that,
2: yeah. that
0: final scene that we, we shot. Uh, and it, it just looked, yeah, it looked so good. She had a lot of assistance that, that day as well, that had worked on a lot of really exciting stuff as well. So it was just like a really fun and great sort of final day for both her and me to sort of, yeah kind of perfects the effects that she was she was doing yeah she she is really amazing and i I live in japan now but yeah i i would love to get her to do the effects on on my next film Mm. because she's just so so good to collaborate with
1: Mm. yeah Um, so something else i want to touch on is the character of ted's like cat like mannerisms throughout the movie Mm. it's such a like that's such an interesting touch and it adds like when all this like horrific stuff is happening Mm. it adds a little bit of levity to everything like the scene in question you're talking about when like he like rips the girl's throat out like and she's like bleeding out on the floor he's just pacing back and forth Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like it's just such a unique touch and i i love that so much about the movie like it's it adds so much character to the movie itself. Like, mm. I, I I don't know. Like, especially with someone who, you, you know, who owns a cat, it's just very, yeah. it's, it's just very, uh, it's very interesting and very unique to the movie itself. Mm. I think
0: uh, <laughs> Matt, is Matt, who plays that role, so he's the producer of the film as well. And he wasn't actually supposed to, be in that role we had someone else um who was going to play that role and when they read the script the final script they were just like no i'm, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Sorry. so we were kind of like oh who do we yeah who do we get to play that role um and because matt was producing i was talking to him about it and he's like yeah you need someone who's just like kind of you know tall and strange looking someone who's like a bit weird you know someone like me and as soon as he said that I'm like yes you should do it Um, and I think the fact that he wasn't really an actor kind of adds to it because he I don't know it just makes his performance more kind of strange but I'm always so impressed when I watch him like the physicality of his performance like you oh, say, the yeah. sort of cat stuff and just the way he, he moves his like his body like big gangly body <laughs> and uh yeah that scene of him pacing back and forth is my my favorite scene in the film actually and i and i wanted it to be like when we were filming it it was so hard cuz i was kind of deliriously tired as well at this point but i just found it so funny when we were filming it and there's no take of that where you can't hear me laughing in the background so i had to like redub the sound uh but i remember just being like i want it to go for a really long time so the first shot we did it he did he went back and forth a few times like no 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 just keep going just keep going do not stop and i yeah i really find it so funny how like long that goes for and just his like i can't remember what what the direction to him was but (laughs) i think it was something like you like you're just panicking over what you've done and you're like trying to run through everything in your brain of like what you should do and I, I think he really captured that really well. But he's also like kind of, as you said, like switching into being a cat sometimes, and then going back to the actual yeah. reality of the situation. And yeah, I I really love his performance in that. Yeah, my other favorite bit of his like physical performance is when he's stomping on the head, and he's just doing this like I think, as we were shooting it in slow motion, I was, I was like, make everything you're doing like huge like these massive yeah. kind of movements and so like he's using his like his arm arms are like going off in different directions and his leg just comes up so high um yeah this he's he's really amazing <laughs> in that with that sort of stuff yeah i
1: didn't, I didn't know he hadn't like done a lot of acting before so that's like mm. that's his that's very uh it's very intriguing to know because his performance is so good. Like,
0: yeah, he, he is really great. And I think he probably realized about himself that he, you know, he can do acting after doing this role as well, but it was quite nerve wracking for him to be the lead for, for me as well. Cause I was just like, can he actually do it? Like it's a, it's a lot to take on. Um, But yeah, I, I really, I think it would just, I can't really imagine anyone else doing that role now. And when I think back to the original person we had in mind, it just would, it would have been terrible because I think it was someone that was naturally quite a sinister looking person. Mm. And I I think Matt works well because he's not a sinister looking person. As soon as he takes off the mask, he's just kind of this, you know, (laughs) I don't know. He just, he's just not threatening, which is, I think what makes that character work. Cause even though he's, so awful and does such awful things I think people feel very uncomfortable but they can't help but have some kind of like sympathy for him yeah because <laughs> he's just so pathetic yeah
1: <laughs> yeah like it that, it adds a very realistic aspect to the movie where like mm. the movie plays a lot with reality and it plays a lot with like surrealism and reality especially towards the end without you know spoiling anything for anybody I, mm. I think it's a very unique aspect to the film as well like it just i don't know it, it works so well I, I don't know how to like just put a finger on it like it's able to um just capture so many feelings throughout the entire like from beginning to end it's able to like i don't know i i, I love the movie so it's, it's really hard for me to like mm. um, i think well, the
0: f- the fear yeah having a lot in it i think it's because it's probably because it's like my first feature And I think when you make your first thing, you're just, like, trying to shove everything into it, Mm. maybe too much into it. So, yeah, it just has so many, so much going on, which is a lot of people's, like, complaint about the film, that it's, like, very tonally inconsistent. But I, I think that comes from it being the first film and just wanting to do everything. And also, like, the in terms of, like, the reality stuff and the dream sequences, that's, like... For me, like just so much fun to make that sort of stuff, so I wanted to have a lot of that in there, um, and actually with Matt as well, uh, a few years before Catsick Blues, I'd made a comedy horror series called Fever Dreams, where every episode is like someone's nightmare. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I'd I'd had a lot of practice like making kind of dream stuff, so I I really wanted to to include that in the film as well. But yeah the the dream sequences uh were a lot of a lot of fun to do
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I love the dream sequences like i know some people would say like maybe the movie has a lot going on but i don't know i feel like it works so well like it like the movie just feels chaotic from frame one so i think it works perfectly so
0: that's good um, to know yeah i i watched it (laughs) recent kind of recently because it screened in uh tokyo maybe a year and a half ago and i hadn't watched it since i finished it so it's been like since 2016 i I hadn't watched it and it was kind of like to watch it again like on a big screen it was like what the fuck was i thinking like there's so (laughs) so much going on and there's so many things that i like would definitely not do now but but i'm kind of glad that i I did though you know, right. as well so it wasn't like a oh god like embarrassing kind of thing it was just more like whoa like don't i definitely uh don't have the energy to make something like this again
1: <laughs> uh, d- yeah i i can definitely understand <laughs> especially when you watch it it's like <laughs> yeah there is like there's so many moving parts to the movie so something i want to touch on real fast before we uh move on a little bit is why are there so many cat horror movies <laughs> like <laughs> like between the like japanese ghost cat movies that you talk about on show, show me something wrong with you know haunted turkish bathhouse and stuff to to something like cat sick blues it's like there's not a ton of dog horror in comparison to cat mm. movies, so why like why is that do you think i don't know i guess like the
0: the you know cat has such a connection to to horror with it. you know like the the black cat is such a classic image of mm. of uh you know kind of connected connections to witches and all that sort of stuff and you know even in old pose stories and uh lovecraft stories cats always feature I'm not really sure why because like actually the the reason i made catsick blues was just from watching, um I watched this film called Strays. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that. I think it's recently had kind of a comeback. Like it's maybe had a Blu-ray release. Maybe I, I don't know. But like when I watched it, it was on a shitty VHS tape, <laughs> and um, and I remember just like watching it and being like, God, cats are just not frightening. You know, you can you can make yeah. a dog scary in a film like Cujo. You know. That's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. But cats are just inherently not scary. And watching that Strays film, I was like, this is just so funny, the idea of making cats like scary. Yeah. And uh and I also uh the Argento film in Inferno, there's a scene where a character gets like attacked by cats and it's just <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. It's just so funny. So I think maybe that was like what kicked me off on like wanting to do a cat horror just because it's they're just so naturally there's something just something very funny about cats which is, which is what makes it funny that they're used in in
1: horror so much it's kind of bizarre it is like i recently like based upon uh show me something wrong um I watched a haunted turkish haunted turkish bathhouse and it's like mm. it's such a bizarre concept to have yeah. to, to make a cat scary so yeah, I was just. Yeah. like it's very inter- interesting to hear that, ta- like your your take on that, because um, it's something that's so frequent, but mm. I don't. It's hard to put a finger on why. <laughs> like, I think are...
0: the, I think they're often like, you know, you very rarely see a film where a, a cat is like the killer, right? They're normally just like part of the horror kind of imagery, <laughs> like in the background. I think it's because like, you can put a cat. You can you can put a cat on film and it's not <laughs> they're not inherently funny, right? Like you're like, oh, there's a cat. It's like It's just in the background. Whereas a dog, dogs are just so naturally goofy yeah. that they're just not. <laughs> they're just not. Um, yeah, I don't know. That they're, they're not. They don't have like a horror vibe to them. No. But when I when I think about like animals in films as the actual killers, like have, have you seen uh, Tenebrae? The the Argento film,
1: I have, but it, the, I saw it many many years ago.
0: There's there's a bit with like a dog chasing a woman in that, and it's the scariest thing in the film. Like yeah. dogs, man, they're they were so much more threatening. But but they, I guess they just don't have that classic horror imagery of of a black cat, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, what's well, like the Beyond has the the scene with the 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 German Shepherd and it's yeah 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 uh, dickie dickie the german shepherd i watched that recently and i just could not stop laughing
0: (laughs) i love that film it's like one of my favorite films but the but the fact the dog is called dickie oh fuck that's hilarious (laughs) oh man dickie
1: (laughs) i will say a blue like the high definition did not do the scene justice (laughs) because when you watch that scene like so i remember watching it on uh tv on a tv channel a long time ago actually uh was it tenor classic movies they played it watching it then it was like oh y- y- it's a dog biting your neck now you can t- <laughs> on the It's a puppet just like it's like oh damn <laughs> that is not oh my god good
0: that there's a scene in the beyond that oh my god like my partner and i like just laugh so much the the spider scene the the way that um the way that there's like real spiders like Fuchi just he he made such a massive error in putting both real spiders and fake spiders but i love it like you see these real tarantulas walking and then just in the background there's these fake spiders with and their legs aren't moving so they're just like sort of waddling (laughs) from side to side oh my god it's so funny so fucking funny that that bit Oh man. Yeah, I, I really love the Beyond because it it's so beautiful because it's like this amazing, like fucking nuts looking Vulture film. It looks so good, but then there's also just like absolute nonsense in it, which is great as well. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't negatively affect the film, it just makes it even more uh nuts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love
1: that movie. Yeah, I love that so good. And speaking mm. of animal animals and movies, um your short film gotcha 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 right the, the right mm, yeah. It has, yeah it has a turtle in it <laughs> yeah yeah which is something you don't see very often in any movies <laughs> yeah yeah a uh, short film like it's it's so interesting too because like it plays off of the vending machine culture of japan mm. and and it plays off of i wouldn't say obsession necessarily but more of like The love of gacha pan, right? Yeah. So, what inspired um, what what inspired gacha gacha exactly? Mm, Um, yeah. I I think
0: when I first came here, I remember seeing like those gacha pan machines, and being like, "What the what the fuck are these things?" And like, and kind of getting into them almost like a bit of an addiction, but. (laughs) there's something very just perfect about the idea of gachapon. It's like maybe the perfect, uh, what's the word? Like perfect, mm, it, it just encapsulates collecting culture, right? Where mm. you're basically paying this money for, it's something that's ultimately like a little shitty piece of plastic. Right. And you might not even get the thing that you want. And it's more about the kind of, you know, the obsession with collection. And I just really love that idea. And I think it's something that I can relate to as well, because I'm I'm not so so much these days. I've kind of (laughs) calmed down a bit, but like in the back in the day, like I would just desperately want, like, oh, I want, I need this film on DVD or Blu-ray. I fucking need it. I need it. And you, and it was almost like this kind of um, like, an illness where it's just like i need this and like you desperately want it and then you order it and you get it in the mail and you're like fuck yes i got it and then that's it like then you're like oh shit now i need to get the next thing so i'm still kind of like that you know like i'm very obsessive in terms of like records and less so now with movies thankfully <laughs> I've, I've tried to like curb my collecting but um yeah, that that's sort of where it came from. Like, yeah, I could I could see <laughs> in the background that you've got a. If my camera was flipped around the other way, you'd see you'd see all my my stuff on, on <laughs> this side. But um, yeah, I'm definitely still like that to an extent, but I I have curbed it a bit. But yeah, Gachapon just to me was just this perfect. Um, yeah, like yeah, vision of of what collecting the nightmare of, of collecting, mm-hmm. and actually the tortoise being in the film. It was kind of funny, because in the script it was a cat. Mm. Um, and we tried to organise a cat, and I didn't know anyone with a cat, you know. It was there was still kind of early days of me living in Japan, so oh, I, I I couldn't get a cat. And I had a friend who had a tortoise uh, that I'd, I'd seen a couple of times, because she would, like, bring it to places, she'd randomly have a fucking tortoise there. <laughs> <laughs> and um it weighs like it's so heavy I can't remember how much it weighs but it's like I think it's like 30 kilo- kilos or something like that oh, wow. <laughs> really heavy but um yeah then I-, I was like wait hang on I could have a tortoise in this cause like a tortoise it's like in a capsule as well right it's got the shell Yeah, it's like perfect to, to be in the film and also like tell you what directing cats is a fucking nightmare so Cat Sick Blues we had three different cats on that and they just will not do anything you want them to do. It's really frustrating. No. A tortoise, on the other hand, you just pick it up and put it down in the scene and just face it in the direction you want it to walk and it'll just do it. Oh, <laughs> so wow. they are uh, it it was perfect to have that that tortoise. It was so much easier than than having a cat. And I think, as you said, it's like quite a strange thing to see on film to to randomly have this tortoise walking
2: through scenes. Yes.
0: So, yeah, I've used that tortoise again as well in a in a music video I made a couple of years ago as well. So, yeah, whenever I need a tortoise, I I just yeah, call up my friend and just borrow it for a couple of days.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also <laughs> also with the movie, like the ending without spoiling it is so it's so fucking funny <laughs> like <laughs> I was in there watching it like you're like you're anticipating you know one thing to happen and then it's just like <laughs> abruptly like no <nah>. yeah. <laughs> nothing's happening here it's over <laughs> I yeah. love that
0: that to me was <laughs> i don't know why but i found it really funny because the idea of it is like well it, it none of it matters and you're just going for the next thing but yeah, I do really enjoy making people go like, "Oh, this is going to happen," and then it just ends. It's the same with Catsick Blues, like probably the main thing that annoys people about the film uh, of Catsick Blues is like that fake ending where it has like a fake dream thing and um yeah, then it's just it's ultimately meaningless, yeah. which I really like. <laughs> but people get so annoyed at that. But but my answer to that was like, wait, did you really think that's where the film was going? Like it, we haven't established any of this until until yeah. this point. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do really like that idea of annoying people <laughs> with, with fake things like that. <laughs> yeah, See,
1: it, it annoyed me. I thought it was hilarious. So yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, to transition a little bit um well when will we see you in a director's chair again um well i have i've been working on
0: something in terms of script sort of stuff for a long time now so working on a on a feature script um i don't want to give a an exact date because this is hard to know but i really want to film this thing soon this next feature um so yeah, I've kind of stopped doing all music videos and short films just to like concentrate on this. Right. But it's it's a hard it's a it's hard enough to make a feature. It's it's even harder to make one in Japan cuz mm-hmm. I've finished the yeah. script, but the script is all in English and the film yeah. is like half English, half Japanese. So it's currently being translated, which is going to take a while. And yeah, there's certain things in place for the film, but yeah, it, it's coming along. I I hope to do it. the The hardest thing really is uh is just money, because the new film is a bigger idea than Catsick Blues, and Catsick Blues is already too big. Uh, when you make a low budget film, it should be, you know, two people in a fucking room or something. You know, <laughs> like it, it shouldn't be what Catsick Blues is, which is huge cost. A ridiculous amount of scenes and unfortunately i've got no self-control when i'm writing so the new film is is even worse like the opening the opening pre-title sequence i think it's like how many people like five people get incredibly brutally violently murdered in the opening like five ten minutes and um what? my partner when she read it she was like for fuck's sake like this <laughs> scene is like the budget of Katzik like, Blues already. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna take some time to do. And I'm I'm kind of making decisions now of like, do I like how do how do I fund it? Like should I do a crowdfunder again? Cause that's also like a fucking nightmare doing crowdfunding. Uh and it's much harder now as well, like post COVID, yeah. Um like mailing stuff from japan is like so expensive now yeah um so doing a, a crowdfunded with like rewards and stuff like that i could potentially like bankrupt myself so <laughs> yeah so it's just like sort of trying to there's a lot of hurdles to to overcome but i really want to make this one because it, it's like a very 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 personal film. um it's quite different from from casick blues so yeah i do do really want to make it We'll, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs>
1: might be a might be a long wait. Yeah. Um sp- speaking of directing, you're also a assistant director on um Guy's new movie, The Sound of Summer. Uh, I I wasn't
0: assistant director. Well, I I uh for just 2 days I helped with some camera stuff. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. Um yeah, I I used the wrong terminology, I feel like.
0: That's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah um i just don't want to make my role bigger than it was (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i have yeah nothing to do with it um creatively basically like i just helped him out on on two days yeah yeah. so just when he was shooting some of the bigger scenes um we did it with like two cameras so yeah just just in that in that uh sense is how i helped yeah
1: um Mm. when we talked to him he You know he told us how you all met what is your story of how you and guy met um yeah it's kind of crazy it's really weird to think
0: because you know guy and i just get along so well and we like can work together on stuff very easily and we're very different people extremely different people Mm -hmm. but i we somehow get along very well but um yeah, the, how I met him was his film, Difficulty Breathing. I had seen... Uh, I'm a pretty, like, uh, you know, uh, regular user of Letterboxd. I'm a big, big Letterboxd guy. Same here. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I had seen some reviews popping up of his short film, Difficulty Breathing, of... Um, some users that I really like and they, you know, given it glowing reviews. So mm-hmm. that made me really interested to see it. And someone I talked to on Letterboxd was like, Oh, if you want to see it, you can probably just contact him directly on Twitter. So I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. And yeah, sent him a message and, and uh, I've, I've still got it on the phone, like our first message together. And this was like at the beginning of COVID as well. So it was like 2020 and um, I was like, yeah, could I, could I, uh, yeah, buy a film, bought it off him and watched it and loved it, reviewed it and yeah, sent him the review and stuff. And then uh, maybe like a few months later, he like randomly sent me a message and he's like, Oh yeah, I just realized like we're both in Osaka. Um, how about we just get a drink some night? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. And I remember being, feeling like kind of trepidatious because like often when you meet, people that have similar interests to you, it doesn't always mean you're going to get along well. <laughs> In fact, sometimes it means the opposite. They can be like, I don't know. It can, I think having similar interests, you can more easily have kind of big arguments about things, which we do sometimes as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, when I met him, we just sort of instantly got along really well. And even like talking about films, we had like the same, some like very like, uh, very small things in common like we both loved the movie blood diner which is just like a weird a very weird film to have like a very passionate nostalgic connection to so yeah like we got along really well and yeah just very quickly started hanging out a lot and i think especially because it was covid times um it was just there's not really that many people around. So yeah. We just had this like time where we could like, you know, you know, meet up quite a lot and no one was really going out. So we we're just like having beers like outside of convenience stores and stuff like that. And then um yeah, we would be like suggesting movies to each other and we had a lot of moments where he would suggest something to me i'd never heard of and i'm like what the fuck is this and it'd be mm-hmm. something amazing and then vice versa i'd suggest something to him and would be the same kind of experience and i think from that happening um like that those kind of back and forth suggestions uh and being like surprised by these films that we didn't hear of that that we hadn't heard of before that we really enjoyed uh yeah i had The I thought about this idea for doing the podcast where we would like introduce a film uh, to each other that the other hasn't seen, and just pitched it to him, and he's like, "Yep, let's do it." And so like we very quickly just started, yeah, kind of turned into doing the the podcast, and now our life basically revolves around (laughs) us sending messages saying like, "Have you seen this film before?" Like,
1: no, I haven't. All right, good. We'll do it for the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, John and I both are big, big, big fans of. your podcast, uh, your podcast. Oh, like, it's I, good to hear.
0: Mm, nice, like, nice. <laughs>
1: it's it's gotten us through some pretty rough work days. And, oh, that's good. Good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and it's introduced us to a lot of movies that we're just like, "Well, what the fuck is that?" And you know, yeah, like, then we seek it out and we're like, "Okay, yeah, this movie's fucking awesome." Or sometimes, uh, like, some like Hell Roller, <laughs> it might not be as much. Of yeah. It.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've done a few truly awful films for for me the worst one the one that like nearly killed me watching it was the worm eaters oh, i yeah. hated that film but i kind of think it's funny when i when one of us hates it it kind of makes the episode funnier i think
1: <laughs> it's kind of like uh with guy with a fucking duck oh yeah you couldn't stand that <laughs>
0: Yeah, sometimes I'll I'll choose something knowing the guy will hate it. And like, (laughs) yeah, that was definitely one that I I knew that he would hate that for. That's where I'll, like, we do have quite different uh, levels of tolerance for things. So he can handle something like worm eaters, which for me is just like, I just cannot... It, it's a, it was just excruciating for me, that film. But I think he's like that with more shot on video kind of American stuff. Yeah. He has just no no tolerance, no sympathy for that sort of stuff. Whereas for me, Duck is like, I was so fascinated by it because it, it's like this, in many ways, awful, awful film. But it also has this weird kind of soul to it that it really surprised me. So yeah. Yeah, that, that one uh that was a real interesting one, that film.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Before we uh wrap things up here, um you have anything you'd like to uh plug or um have people follow you and stuff like that? Um yeah, I mean
0: it would be great if uh people could listen to our podcast. I guess that's the the main thing we're doing at the moment. Um we're mostly on twitter so our twitter's show uh no no not show me something wrong our twitter is smsw podcast on twitter so yeah if you follow us on that that'd be great um yeah we 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 put a lot of effort into the podcast so i'd love it if uh, some more people started listening to, to it <laughs> and probably the it's not my thing but i would say also i uh, i'm assuming by the time this comes out uh, guys film the sound of summer uh, will be available uh, from Unearthed yes. uh, on Blu-ray, so I definitely recommend picking up his film as well. Uh, yeah, that's probably all I I I need to plug at the moment. Yeah,
1: <laughs> definitely the podcast is the main thing. Well, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and talking with me. Um, no worries. Figure out how to end this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just. Well. Just to end it like just midway through a sentence. <laughs> just <laughs> cut it there. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Thank you. It's uh always always fun to I think the, the only reason I can remember things about making cat sick blues is from doing interviews. So mm-hmm. it's good to to do
2: them every now and then <laughs> yeah. to refresh my memory about it. Yeah. <laughs>